This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome back to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters, Head of Retail Strategy at Acadia. And today I'm joined by a fellow Acadia leader, Dylan Ander, who is a serial entrepreneur with deep expertise in all areas of digital marketing, diversifying his experience and businesses in both B2C and B2B companies. His current main venture is splittesting.com which is a conversion rate optimization agency for e-commerce brands that guarantees to increase your conversion rate or give a full refund. Working with clients like Planet Fitness and Geico, splittesting.com has optimized over $3 billion in client revenue with incredible leadership and quality of service. And recently, very, very recently this year, splittesting.com exited to Acadia and is now part of Acadia. So welcome to Acadia, Dylan. Thank you. And I also want to mention a couple of things from your bio that were incredibly interesting, that you have played NCAA tennis, have written three different Billboard Hot 100 songs, and you spend your free time rock climbing and making music in Brooklyn. How do you fit all of that in? (laughs) It's probably the first question. Overachiever. Well, thanks for the beautiful intro. It's definitely a love what you do type of thing where I can wholeheartedly say with 100% of my soul, I literally love what I do every day. So that's between work, between making music, getting to rock climb, spending time, my chief puppy officers behind us. So, you know, we've really got what I would call a full and fulfilling life. So yeah, getting to do a lot of it. I've had many phases. I lived in Nashville for a while. So was a full-time songwriter, but also always had e-commerce stores on the side, really had them automated, just spent an hour or two a day and got to write music the rest. So I've had a lovely adventure of just having to have so many different ventures and, you know, exiting to Acadia, having my next chapter here mm-hmm. with Acadia and a couple others and just um, really excited for it. So that's how we all fit it in. I just love it. That's brilliant. That was going to be my first question actually is, splittesting.com, CRO agency. How did you get started in CRO? Absolutely. So when I was 19 years old and in college, I created my first dropshipping store. So I've had e-commerce stores for a long time now. (laughs) So even back in the day, landing pages were like the most innovative thing you could think about, right? Like it's like, wow, you have a dedicated landing page and not just a plug and play and Shopify product page. So I always had like a landing page because it made more sense. I could put more content on it. It's all about the fold and just made a lot of sense to me. And back in the day, I'm not sure how far back you go, but splittesting.com actually used to be a free split testing tool. I used splittesting.com while I was in college. Splittesting.com, the domain was no longer active. And about three years ago, I was able to acquire it. So as I had all my e-com stores and I would actually split test back in the day, I was like, let's just split test our headlines and some photos, just really simple split tests. It just like kind of always made sense in my brain that you're testing your ads almost every single day. 
why aren't you also testing your website? So, you know, it's like, I was never like, you know, let's have a CRO agency to say the least. And at a college, I just wanted to diversify my income, to be honest, other than just the two e-com stores that I had. So I made an agency and was very strong at SEO and Facebook ads and, you know, email. So kind of like a little bit of a do-it-all type agency, figure it out. I was traditionally myself very strong in each of them. So so I was able to figure it out and make them effectively because I'd done them on my own stores. And, you know, I saw the cost of advertising just rising every single month for a while. And this was pre-iOS 14, where a lot of people have caused mayhem after that. And it's crazy. We're still speaking about it afterwards. But I just like, you know, saw probably a year, year and a half before the pandemic that, yeah, advertising costs are just going to rise. And what's the only way to fight against rising advertising costs? Ad creatives for sure, but optimizing your website, right? Like the ads are only half of the story. If not, they're the 20 of the 80-20. I would like to believe that the 80-20 is the website and the 20% is the ad because that's, you know, really the way it works. Happy to dive in further. And in my agency, we offered everything and I just absolutely tripled down three or four years ago. And, you know, if it's not CRO and optimizing your website, we will not accept money for it. So we really niched down and into just CRO exclusively. And that's kind of where we've built it. It's all about the team, gotten incredible thought leaders who are even better at me than CRO. And I'm pretty darn good if I say so myself. So (laughs) it's been really incredible journey to land where we are now. And that's how I've triple down on CRO and love what I do. That's awesome. And I'm really excited to talk with you about this as well, because everything that you're saying about, you know, optimizing traffic coming in and traffic getting more expensive with ad costs rising and more competitive markets is true on every platform, whether D2C or marketplaces, my favorite topic. So let's get started with some things that people believe about CRO that just aren't true. Hmm. So number one is whoever named conversion rate optimization, CR, like, you know, whoever named it as that was not very well educated. (laughs) And we all dislike that person, whoever coined the term, because conversion rate optimization is not about your conversion rate. There are so many things outside of like a CRO agency's control. And your conversion rate is literally a sum total of every single piece of your business. The quality of your product affects your conversion rate. The time throughout the year affects your conversion rate. Let's say your customer support starts really slipping. Your conversion rate will drop. Less people will come back. Let's say you're doubling your advertising spend. The more top of funnel to cold traffic you do, the lower your conversion rate is, quote unquote. If you cut out all your ad spend and just do email marketing, your conversion rate will quadruple, right? So, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk's concept of vanity metrics, where they're nice to see, it's sometimes a hot take if people don't really understand the topic well, that conversion rate on your e-commerce store actually can really be debated as a vanity metric. So if you're, you know, like a lot of people say, if there's a good or bad conversion rate, yeah, if you're converting 0.01% of your traffic, then that's a really bad conversion rate. But there's no like industry standard. Like if you Google, what is a good conversion rate, it'll say 2%. But what if you sell like cars, you're not going to have a 2% conversion rate, right? Like if you have a $5,000 mattress, you're not going to have a 2% conversion rate. If you sell a supplement that's $20, 
a 2% conversion rate would be atrocious. So there's really no way you care about bottom line profitability. That's what every business is about. So CRO is about optimizing that through the website. And it's not just about your conversion rate. That's a great one. Any other myths that you'd like to bust out there? There's the test everything concept, which is, so there's actually two, I have two more hot takes. Number one is the test everything where there's actually a test versus implement solution where if there's a quote unquote problem with your website, right? Like a bug. If there's one solution to a problem, just implement it. If there's a bug, you don't need to test what solution there is. If people are not checking out you know, from the product page, and they're just not clicking the add to cart button because it blends in with the backgrounds, change the color, right? Like, you know, it's not like you need to test absolutely everything. If there's one solution to a problem, just go and implement it on your site. If there's multiple solutions to a problem, like, you know, an image is not converting very well, and there's a lot of images out there, then you should go and test it. So the answer is not test everything, although I'm a big proponent of testing, but you don't need to test absolutely everything. And then the last one is a lot of people say that you need a thousand conversions per variant for it to be statistically significant, which I'll go down the nerd rabbit hole if you'd like me to on the data side, but it is completely false. You do not need a thousand conversions per variant. Is it nice to have? Yes. But can you make incredible decisions before then with very pinpoint accuracy? Absolutely. So whoever made up that myth of a thousand conversions, it's a completely arbitrary number. And I have data calculations to back it up. And statistics says nothing about the word thousand or the number thousand. So that's another myth to debunk that if you don't have, you know, if you don't do a million a month in revenue, you're still able to make tremendously effective split tests. So that's another one to that. put out there as we well. We will ha- I sense a lot of passion about this topic. And I feel like if we if we got into that, we'd be going down a rabbit hole. But I promise, I just wrote a note for myself, we need to put this on the blog to expand <laughs> on that properly. So I promise we'll come back to it. But I really want to get into some of the questions I've got here. What would be some of the first things you look at when you're auditing a D2C site or a retailer's site and looking for opportunities? Hmm. So... The first thing really, which is understanding, like when you look at a website, what you see, right, is what people feel is the biggest part of CRO, right? They think that the actual UI is what makes the biggest difference. But over the past couple of months, we've found that like, you know, we've got over 3000 split tests under our belt. So we do understand some trend data from internal stuff. And the messaging and imaging really is a lot more important And, you know, where we find a lot more victories and split tests than anything else. So my philosophy has always been whoever understands their customers the best wins in every facet of marketing. It's just the way it goes, right? So seeing who they're speaking to, because you may have the most stunning, beautiful image, but in front it says like, you know, power to the people. Well, what the heck does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, like I've seen a lot of e-commerce stores have that way. And so copywriting is really one of the first things I look at and then the images and message that people are trying to convey. So the UX is kind of secondary, but that's the hot topic in CRO is the actual UI. But I really do look at messaging and imaging first. That's super interesting. I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit. So messaging, so headlines and images are really the most important thing. So particularly with images, this is relevant to my area of expertise as well with Amazon and marketplaces too. 
producing images to a lesser degree copy, but images, that's, you know, an expensive endeavor to go out and reshoot products or lifestyle images and things like that. There's almost sort of a catch 22 involved. You want to, you need to test some new images, but then you, you first need to go and actually create those. So do you, have you got any advice or best practices that you've seen in terms of figure, like seeing that this image is maybe not working or we've got a hunch that it isn't? How do you then sort of choose a different direction in an expedient and cost-effective way? There's a beautiful invention called the smartphone. I usually say the iPhone, but, you know, any smartphone you have. And it's really incredible. What a lot of people would call like, quote unquote, like ugly photos or ugly ads. It's just really personable. If you just hold it up with your hand, let's say it's like a supplement company, right? If you just hold it up with your hand and take a photo of your hand with this and just like a nice area in your backyard or something, that might be an incredible image because it's just relatable. It's not a studio setting, big thing like that. Mm -hmm. Like if you're the founder and just, you know, let's call it a video just on that example, like in a marketplace, right? I've actually never seen many founder videos, which I think would be fascinating. So I don't know if that's a strategy Mm -hmm. that marketplaces use right now, but on websites, it's something that converts incredibly. Because like on Amazon, I would actually love to side note on that and just see your thoughts on that. Maybe it's the worst idea, but just a selfie video, say, hey guys, my name's Dylan. I'm the founder of splittesting.com. I created this company because I always had an e-commerce store and I knew this was an issue. And just grabbing your phone and making content is a really, really, really effective way to make conversions because it's relatable to the users. Yeah, that's super interesting. That I have heard that before, particularly with performance creative and ads, is that the ugly, you know, iPhone videos are the ones that actually convert better because they're more trustworthy. And I've got mm-hmm. a personal vendetta against stock images. And this comes up, you know, I oversee the blog and things like that. And whenever I see a, you know, a stock photo, on the blog, I'm like, get rid of it. Like we have to use a picture Mm -hmm. that someone has taken themselves from the team or like a picture of real people at work because it's so much more trustworthy than, you know, stock image of man in business suit looking happy at a spreadsheet, you know, like it's so (laughs) naff and unbelievable and untrustworthy. So I, I love that suggestion. Just get something get an ugly ad out there, get an ugly photo out there and use that as a starting point. Just make it organic, make it real because people know when they're being marketed to like little countdown timers really don't work much anymore because they know that that's Mm -hmm. marketing. Stock images are more like feels like marketing, not so much like organic and real. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit more about marketplaces (laughs) like Amazon and Walmart. So there's very, they offer very limited native ways to test conversion rate on various elements like images and copy. There was for a little while some third-party software that would integrate, but it wasn't. Dylan, you would not be satisfied with the software that was available. It's very limited. And to be fair, I think limited by the, you know, what Amazon really offered those tools. So I know that we're still sort of exploring this topic together and forming a viewpoint on this, but I'd love to hear as a starting point what you think brands should be doing within like limited limited platforms where they don't have so much control as they would on a D2C site. Yeah, absolutely. So 
on Amazon, well, you know, assuming that most Amazon stores at least have some semblance of a website, right? And, you know, a user base that you can email and those. Like I said, my original, you know, my core thesis is whoever understands their customers the best wins. And that's the same on Amazon and Walmart and any marketplace you have. So getting to do customer feedback surveys is always the first part of our service that we offer, which is asking questions. If anyone out there, if you haven't read the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, he's an FBI hostage negotiator and teaches you how to get information out of people. Definitely use it ethically and not in a negative way. But yeah, we use a lot of those core principles to be able to understand with customers what about our product made you buy from us and not someone else? You know, let's say it's a weight loss supplement, just because it's such an easy example to use. How do you feel about your body? It's a very intimate question. And by going to your customers and asking them how they feel about different areas, how they feel about your product, what they think about when looking for supplements in general, you can take a lot of that qualitative data and really just take a best guess. Because you don't have deep analytical tools to split test on Walmart and Amazon. I know Amazon has a new feature, but it's limited by one variation and also not sure how accurate that data is because I'm a natural skeptic. So really just understanding your customers as much as you humanly can and then actionizing that data, whether qualitative or quantitative. So That's the way that I would approach truly optimizing listings, images, and creative on any marketplace listing. So whoever understands their customers the best wins, that's a great takeaway there. How else should you think about marketplace optimization given the limitations natively on those platforms? Definitely. So it's there's not really a lot of ways to, you know, analytically test what works because by default, that's always the best option. But, you know, second to that is just the core philosophy of optimization, which is whoever understands their customers best wins. So there's a lot of things you can do to understand your customers best, which our number one way that we start every CRO campaign is customer feedback surveys. So if anyone's ever read the book, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, Cannot recommend enough. He's an FBI hostage negotiator and teaches you how to draw things out of other people. Has to be used ethically. Can't be, you know, it can't be misused, but it's really effective in customer feedback surveys of asking questions, using the question, you know, asking why actually puts people on the defensive. So that's one of our little tricks. Never ask a customer why they do something because then they're, they feel like they have to explain themselves or it can be negative and off-putting. So questions like that start with questions like what and how, how do you feel about, you know, supplements in general? Like, what do you look for when evaluating supplements? Like, how do you feel about our product? What made you buy ours versus others? So it's one of the core tenets of the book and one of the core tenets of what we do to understand customers. And from there, once you deeply understand your customers, because I'm assuming anyone who does have marketplace at least has some you know area of a website that you can directly email your people and talk to them and just really deeply analyze that data and give it your best shot with the marketplace. It's just you know an informed, educated decision. And because there's no analytical tools to anyone in marketplaces, just really understand your customers the best you can with customer feedback surveys, and then really actionize it as well as you can. That's a great point. And it really goes back to what's the whole point of having a D2C presence to begin with. And a lot of brands 
even if the majority of their sales come through brick and mortar or through marketplaces, they still want to maintain a D2C presence because of the customer relationship and data. That's what I hear all the time. Maybe it's not the most profitable channel for them, but it's the one where they have the most direct engagement with the customer. So that's a great point. Leverage that. That's why you have the D2C presence or the social media presence for anyway. So it's still the same sort of customer and same questions that they're asking, whether they're buying on a D2C site or on Walmart or Amazon. So you're a popular person to follow on Twitter. And I'd love to learn a little bit more about what topics you've written about there that have blown up either in a positive or negative way. Yeah, absolutely. Twitter's changed my life tremendously this year. It's just changed my life tremendously where one of my best friends in the world, Matt, he's an executive up at Twitter. And he's like, Dylan, I'll teach you how to write a thread. And for those who aren't on Twitter, a thread is just like a barrage of like, a you know, like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 of your own tweets in a row. So you can only do 280 characters. So it's kind of like a blog post in the form of like 20 tweets in a row. So threads are really popular. And those are traditionally what go viral. It does take a lot to write them and really craft them properly. So kind of helped me understand what works. And I had five followers and actually gave the story of how I acquired a supplement brand, used CRO to flip it around and had the highest converting website I've ever touched in my life before and still own till today. So I just went through the process of how I acquired it actually for $0 down, which is another interesting area. So what I did was I spoke about number one, how I acquired an e-commerce brand for $0 up front. Number two, how I analyzed that actual acquisition. And then number three, how I use CRO to actually optimize it. So it's like, it kind of, I think, accidentally opened up the eyes to a lot of people like on, you know, like Twitter of like how important CRO is because it's still an underspoken about topic. So every day I put out a CRO hack on how to grow, you know, that first one went viral and overnight I had a, a thousand followers and eight inquiries and added a bunch of revenue to our CRO agency, <laughs> like within the first week or two. So, but now I don't always share my personal life. I don't always go that deep in terms of like who I am as a person. It's not about me. It's about like the audience and the people. So mm. I just post ways on how people can improve their brands. And that's it. Like it's really yeah. simple for me. It's just I love Seth Godin and so many things that he's done and Simon Sinek. They're two people I look up to tremendously and they're just there to help. So that's my goal. And they're kind of some of my role models on social media, which is not the most popular, but definitely the most niche. Yeah. And so where do you think the CRO industry is is headed? You've mentioned it's still this untapped potential for a lot of brands. What else do you believe about the future? So CRO is such a broad, in reality, if you're doing true full stack CRO as we do at Acadia now, it's really absolutely everything. Your site speed, your post-purchase upsells, your landing pages that you push paid traffic to. If a lot of your traffic comes from marketplaces, how can you let that leak over into your D2C brand where you may get higher margins or vice versa? It's really just looking at bottom line marketing where some people argue that being a CMO is just doing full-time conversion rate optimization. So it's like the trend is just that interlacing every single facet of marketing together is what CRO truly is because your users that come from Facebook act differently. 
your users that come from Google are natural researchers, right? So those people want a little more content on their site. And personalization is finally the last, you know, tip of the iceberg, which is, let's say, you know, you're doing a hundred, we have some brands that do a hundred million a year in just D to C revenue on like a Shopify store, right? Not even including marketplaces or anything else. From there, you have sub niches and sub demographics inside of there. So you need landing pages that might be identical, except for the headline and the hero image above. So it's very interesting in that regard where personalizing the experience to each user is once you get to massive scale to be able to scale even further. So, you know, there's a certain area of product market fit. You go above that, I'm sure in marketplaces, there's, you know, something quite similar and then really being able to niche down and personalize. So personalization truly is the future as well as just people understanding that CRO is the integration of all facets of marketing. I love that. And just to nerd out a little bit on Acadia for a second, because what you mentioned about personalization is a huge one and something that we do a lot of with our analytics practice as well. So learning what your customer segments are, who is buying from you, and sometimes it can be surprising. There is a case study that we have of a bike store who thought that their audience was, you know, amateur cyclists and professionals and this sort of really serious bike enthusiast. And in actually doing some customer segmentation analysis found that the more productive and better segment, which was a much bigger part of their business, was actually the weekend warrior, the 40-year-old dad from the suburbs Mm. who, you know, found cycling on the weekend as, you know, super fulfilling. And so changed sort of the direction of their business, changed the messaging. And to your point, that personalization, there's a lot of different audiences in for a bike store and some will be the amateurs and some will be the weekend warriors and serving up content and ads and offers that are unique to those audiences. That's something that can only really be done as well with great customer segmentation and data warehousing. So that's another reason, you know, obviously bringing CRO and analytics together is a huge game changer. And we have both of those under one roof, which is I'm super excited about. Yeah. A shout out to Brittany, who is our chief CRO, not revenue officer, but she's just so brilliant. And we love you, Brittany. And when she finally got to meet some of the top people at Acadia, she goes, you mean I can have a data lake and we can put this together? Oh my God, this must happen. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. So that's why I, you know, another reason that I was just super excited to bring our team to Acadia, there's just synergy that just makes all of us smile. And I'm sure better results for clients is what makes them smile a lot. So I think everyone's just going to be smiling a lot more. And I really do love Acadia as much as we've been here. That's awesome. So Dylan, where can people follow you and what you're up to? So definitely Twitter will be the best place to find us, at least for myself. It's going to be changed over to at Dylan Ander. And then the other place that you can also get a lot more tips and analytics from me is conversionnewsletter.com. I send out a weekly newsletter all about CRO, completely free, nothing to sell you, and just here to help the community. And the other thing as well is on Conversion Newsletter, it's Dylan at conversionnewsletter.com. If you guys email me, I'm just happy to help. I don't need the consulting hours. I don't need any you know, payment there. I'm just really happy to help. And one day when I'm an old man, I would just love to know that I helped a lot of people and I want to be known as just 
the guy that helps a lot of people. So if there's any way that I can support you guys inside business, outside business, whatever it is, I'm just here to support. So feel free to reach me there. Join the newsletter. I will help as much as possible. And yeah, those are the two places to find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dylan. And I'm so super excited to be working with you. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Kiri. That makes two of us.